Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from the Executive Pill. And today, you guessed it, today is a good day. So today, I have an awesome individual. I, I always have awesome individuals, but this guy, he's he's a, he's a next level awesome, okay? So my friend, Don Wetrick, is the founder and CEO of Star Ed Up Foundation, which is, God, this kid, he has the ability, he has the opportunity, he has the honor to host Indiana's Innovation and Entrepreneur Program, Programming and Competition. He is the author of Pure Genius, Building a Culture of Innovation, which aims to create innovation mindsets within our school. Don, Don is also known for his award-winning work as a teacher, an educational and innovation consultant, and an educational speaker. And look, you, you know where I'm going. It doesn't end there. Don has also hosted a podcast for the past five years where he interviews some of the top entrepreneurs, authors, and thought leaders in the country. In his spare time, with little, I guess, spare time he has, uh, he enjoys spending time with his wife of 27 years, Alicia, and his three awesome children. What's going on, brother? Oh, man. Uh, excited. Excited. I get to talk about, you know, Working with students and getting them to think like entrepreneurs. Is is that what we're going to talk about today? I want to talk about some crazy off the wall stuff. I'm just oh, saying. I, I, I think that a lot of times crazy off the wall things is thinking entrepreneurially. But uh, yeah, man, let, let's let's dig into any and all things. So I, I, I want to, and this is purely selfish. Um, so as I was preparing for today's conversation, I was doing research and. I was, um, you know, reading up on what you've done, watching interviews, all that good stuff. And I realized, because actually one time I was doing it, my wife came in and she was like, hey, Alex, can I, um, can I ask you to do something? I'm like, hey, honey, actually, I'm, I'm researching right now. I'm preparing for an interview. Can I, can I, not right now, right now, right now. And she said, okay. And she walked away. And then later on, she, she came in and there was some comedians on the screen. Um, and I was uh, listening to some comedians. And she didn't bat an eye. She was like, okay, walked out. I love that I've created an environment um, where I can watch almost anything and say it's research. <laughs> it, it makes me think about you and innovation. Like, How do you go about learning and engaging yourself in new innovative ideas, thought processes, and so on so and so forth? I, I, it's almost become a cliche around, around our work, but um, seeing problems as opportunities. Um, I love to hear people complain. Um, I love it even more if they're also like, what do you think we should do about it? Um, because there's never going to be, it is an unlimited opportunity. Because people love to complain. And, and that's fine. Because yeah, a lot of things, pointing out what sucks in the world is important. So I don't, I'm not dismissing that. But like going, dude, there'd be a massive opportunity if someone could figure out how to do that. So I think like just conversations with people is something I'm deeply like, it, like, other than spending time with my, my wife and my kids, it is my favorite thing to do. 
Now, the bad thing is that people will call me and like they'll know it's my drug. They, I can't help it. So unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of people will corner me and say, here's what I'm working on or here's my problem because they know that I love to brainstorm. But listening to people from different areas, different perspectives, different walks of life, they have different challenges or different things. Like, like I, I literally talked today about a guy who's got a material that not only reflects heat, but disperses heat better. And I was like, I'm so dumb in that area, but I just wanted to learn more. And lastly, it's, it's like, I hate it when people like roll their eyes, like, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm like, it is, it is. So the answer to that is if you don't like it is to know more people. And, and like, if I can listen to Alex's thing and he's like, here's what I'm working on. And I can like go against my Rolodex. I'm like, I'm not smart in that area, but I know who is. Mm-hmm. Then that's impactful, which ironically, let's give credit where credit's due. I had met you through the Aspen Institute. We're sitting there throwing down some heavy ideas. <laughs> and I mean, and these people were way smarter than me, but I had a couple of things that we were thinking about. And, and so, yeah, conversations with people is everything. You know, you bring up a very valid point. So, like, I think you and I, you even called it out when we met up. So, everyone, FYI, I met this freaking awesome guy when we were at the Aspen Institute in the, um, their Socrates program, which is a phenomenal program if you have the opportunity to attend, to apply and get, a, and get selected for it. Um, you, you and I felt, I think we had a very common kind of bond, like a thought process. And as you were talking, you made me think about like, and I'm being completely serious when I say this now, um, when I'm preparing for speeches or to give a course on something, um, you know, I speak on leadership and relationship building and so on and so forth and mentoring programs. But when I'm researching, like, I'm, I'm looking at technology in regards to they just found a way to possibly um, regenerate the heart about 10 years. Like they literally just came out with that. A week ago, I saw a research study. They, they have a way to actually um, now reverse almost the, the entire aging process within mice. Um, we have nuclear fission that just happened. I, I just finished reading 50 Cent's um, new leadership book, which is freaking awesome. And I was literally, because um, I'm working on my new book, which is on specifically on relationship building. I was listening to something that Chris Rock made. It was a funny joke, but it was a very valid point. So, you know, you and I, we're able to take learning and lessons from like all these ridiculous places. Can everyone do that? And if someone can't, is that just, they should just throw their hands up and say, uh, maybe I should just go find, hang out with Don and Alex, I guess? <laughs> a, wouldn't be a bad idea. No, uh, <laughs> I, I think it, it, you hit on a really interesting problem, but a problem nonetheless. In the sense that I think that, yeah, yeah, of course everybody can. It's just that you, so many people don't make space in their day for that. Um, you know, one of the things, and again, I, I should have said, I, you know, I taught for 20 some years, um, although I run a foundation that works with high school students. So I guess I'm still in education. I, I actually am in education still. So um, it, it's, it, we have short form content that is an endless scroll and that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we're just going to freestyle. I want to bring up two things that are really, really, really on my heart and on my yeah. mind. Um, one is easy to talk about. The other one's slightly uncomfortable. Um, number one is the endless scroll. I'm just going to pick on TikTok because it's popular. But And I'm sorry if I'm going off on a weird tangent on your question. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but, but, but learning and connecting is, is that it's two ways. You're taking in information and you're uploading information, right? I've taken in from you what you said. Let me hear, even if you hear yourself talk out loud, that's that mental processing that's needed. Mm-hmm. So I, I, too much social media, endless scroll is detrimental to our brain. 
and I know that we, we can just drop it here, but I just have to get this out. Something that is deeply concerning to me as a father and as a, as a teacher of young people is um, our brains were not meant to have this much accessible pornography. It is making us stupid. Um, I heard somebody say that like the, the, the king of a vast empire never saw this many naked women in their lives on what you can do in an afternoon because uh, our brains aren't allowed to handle that. And I think that it's, I'm not even talking about the moral side, which I could opine on, but like it is damaging ourselves on how we treat people, how we relate to people, how we don't need to relate to people um, for gratification. And it's just, I, I, it takes away these opportunities to, to talk. It, look, again, this Sorry, is why I went in a really weird direction. No, 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 no. Look, I'll, look, this is why people listen, right? We can have some interesting conversations, I, you know, on the porn topic. Um, real talk. I think it is porn is the most watched content globally by far. Like not, there's not even a close second yeah. by far. Yet, yet most people say they don't do this. They, right? They, they don't. They don't engage in this stuff and so on and so forth. So this is, it's a, it is content that most people in because different types of it. Um, but most people say they 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 don't want to self identify as using it or or, or watching it, whatever. What does that say about us that we are that we engage in so much of a particular content, but but don't want to identify as saying I engage in that content, right? Um, what, what does that say about us? Um, I that we still come from puritanical backgrounds, and, and again, no judgment on that. And also, uh, you know, my dad's listening, kind of thing. You know, I mean, like, you know, something is still there's some taboo things, but I also think, and maybe this is just just me. I think it's also a, um, ew, then what do you do all day? Oh, God. Mm. It's, it, it evokes that emotion because, um, again, I'm trying to remember where I heard this guy, and he was really – there's two people I follow on this scene. One is Layla McElwait, and I'm, I fear for her at times because she's taken this giant behemoth called Pornhub, and like she, she led this charge. They, they had to shed 70% of her content. I was actually going to try to find her again on, on Twitter – I got a chance to to meet her, um, but the, but the people that are really going after the pedophile stuff are um, sometimes meet mysterious deaths. And I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but it is a dangerous, dangerous world. Um, so on that, but this other expert I was listening to was like pornography has led to basically his point was pr pornography is procrastination. That it's like and, and so is a lot of social media. Like there's they're they're, they're two sides of the same coin. It it's um, you can preoccupy yourself and then not get to what you really need to get to. You, you, you had an awesome quote. You said the hardest thing to do in the world, the hardest things to do in the world are the things you say you're going to do. Um, when we talk about procrastination, we talk about avoidance, whether it is porn, whether it's just social media and TikTok, whether it's, it's Netflix, whether, whether it, you know, it could literally be um, you doing some work but not the work you know you should be doing, right? Yes. <laughs> so how, one, where did that quote come from? And, and, and can you expound on it a bit? I'm so glad you remember that because I remember bringing that up in, in the Socrates thing, but I, I forget where I heard it, but essentially, I mean, it's kind of universal. Like, we all know it's true. We, like, I turned 50 this year and I told myself I'd be at a certain weight. And you know what? I didn't hit it. You know why? Because sometimes I'd make an excuse. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I is too busy. The hardest things to do in the world are the things you say you're going to do to yourself. Like this week, I'm going to start. And then ironically enough, what can you do? Oh, look, 
Oh, look at that. Look at that kitten video. Oh, look at that. And, like, and then you preoccupy yourself. And then you could always have righteous indignation. In today's world, who can really even, I could never, no one wants to. But you tell yourself you want to do some things, which ironically enough, I think going back to our original point, having conversations allows you to like at least say, I'm going to do this. Now, interestingly enough, there was like one of the shortest TED Talks I've ever seen. And it basically said, if you want to set a goal, never tell anybody. Because when you say things out loud, you're, you've told your brain you're like 90% there. So a lot of times people are like, you know what? This year I'm going to lose weight. And you're like, you feel so good about it. You're like, oh, yeah, like I've already started. I started because I told Alex I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start eating healthier. I'm going to quit smoking. <laughs> and when you say those things, you're like, oh, awesome. So it's funny. I'm sitting there saying conversations can help you motivate, do things. And sometimes conversations can lead you astray. And so back to that original quote, those things that you say that I could say to Alex or I could say to me are still the hardest things in the world. You, you know, funny enough, really quickly, um, and I actually do the exact opposite. Um, I will, when I know I want to do something that's important to me, um, especially health related, mm. I want to keep it to myself. Because if I tell my wife, she's going <laughs> to hold me accountable for it. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. you know, let me, let me just keep this to myself. So if I do be yeah. backslide, no one knows about it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And then to your to your even larger point, um, you know, just trying to thinking through why people don't, why it's why it's why it's hard to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. I think a lot of this comes back down to fear, man. Like, like just the fear of now that I've said I'm going to do something, like, like what if I don't get it right? Like. What if I don't accomplish it? Maybe I should procrastinate. Maybe I should try this over here and get this done first. I can, I, again, me being, I'll, I'll be real with everyone. Like this is, I am on, I, I have been on a, a journey for years. Um, I do talking, I do consulting, I do workshop, all those things. I'm really darn freaking good at it. That's what my customers saying. Anyway. But growing a business can be hard for someone like me because I love speaking. I love teaching. I love content. I don't like going out and looking for a new business, Right. But you got to do it. So I, I will do I will create new, I will write new books. I will create new, new YouTube posts. I will do everything else because it's the one thing over there I know I should be doing, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I always was conflicted on showing students um, the videos by Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. And you know why? Because um, <laughs> you, you either have to bleep it out or say, look, kids, he's going to say some things. Um, but he had a, he had a short video and I think that this one was edited. So I did show it, but, um, he, he's like, and I think he literally said exactly what you said. The two things that hold most people back are fear and laziness. Mm. I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this cause I think it's going to fail. That's pretty common. I want to do it. I'll get to it tomorrow. So <laughs> it's just, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's one of the other things that, 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 that I've had such a fun time is, is that a lot of my students introduced me to what I sometimes hate to use the term as thought leaders, but like this class opened itself up to who we learn from. And like, we, we deliberately try to watch at least one Ted talk a week, but also then like, they're starting like, dude, there's this new guy, his name, he had like poor sound quality, but his name is like Simon Sinek or something. <laughs> and it was, and like, and, and so we, we started falling into that. And so I think that there's so many modern day philosophers 
yeah um that we need to take heed that you don't have to be plato or socrates um i think naval ravikant is a modern day philosopher and i could listen to that man talk for hours so uh you know i yeah tina selig i like at least some of these people i think are just so they say things and you're like okay like i just like not too long ago naval um i saw this somebody reposted it he was saying uh i think he was on joe rogan and naval said People have two lives, and they start their second when they realize that they only have one. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> People have two lives, and they start their second when they realize they only have one. Shoot. They shed that inhibition. They shed that job yeah. they shouldn't be at. They shed that fear of, I'm going to fail. They shed that because they realize you only got one. Dude, that shook me to my core. Yeah, I, 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 I had to stop what I was doing and then deeply introspect of what I was doing in my life when I heard that. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. Dude, but you, again, I, I loved when I when I did my research, I just found so many cool things from you. In that vein, you talk about how so many people's passions are other people's passions, right? Okay, you really did dig deep. <laughs> so I, I need I need you, I need you I need you to unpack that. I need you to unpack that for the audience. This is simple. And everybody's gonna be like, huh? Oh yeah. Here's most people's passions. Man, I can't wait for that new Pearl Jam album to come out. Oh my gosh, I'm so psyched up for the Eagles game this weekend. Dude, I can't wait for the new season to drop on HBO Max. Don't get me wrong, I'm excited. But a lot of people are passionate mm -hmm. about those things. And I'm like, what is your passion? Oh, the Eagles, big fan. Dude, you're not getting off the couch. <laughs> oh, but I'm a fan. It takes a lot of work to be a fan. No, it doesn't. It takes guac and some chips. And, and, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of sports fans, right? But I'm like, like, you're rooting for someone, which I understand we all love to be entertained, but like, what is your thing? What is your jam? Yeah. And if it's, if it's watching other be people be successful, that's like, to me, that, feels un that doesn't feel satisfying. No, I understand. I, I had some people, I had some friends. I'm going to make some, oh, I'm going to hope you don't take any hate mail. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I knew some people that they just follow fish around the country. That is their thing. Okay, that is, I, I, that is a bond. I guess it's a certain community. There's a lot of, you know, things that you say and do in the, within that community. So may, maybe there's some gray area there. But for the most part, your journey is your journey. Mm -hmm. And if you're not taking it, if you're just a voyeur of someone else's journey, I, I, in my opinion, that that may feel a little weird. And if and a lot of things, and the thing is, Alex, I don't know if anybody stopped to think about that. Oh, I I, I promise you, I promise you, they haven't. I mean, the vast majority of people. I, I was giving a speech, um, actually, literally yesterday, 
for WIN, Women in Nuclear. So it's a, a group of these phenomenal women in the nuclear industry who are the top leaders and whatnot. I was giving a, a kickoff speech at one of their programs. And I wow. told them, like, one of the most important things is to be intentional. How many of us go through the day doing stuff that we don't even think about? And, we, we're, and we're making, we believe we're making decisions, but we're just doing it because societally, that's what we're supposed to do. This is what's yeah. appropriate. This is, you know, I, I, I did a talk with these, this, um, these high school students the other day on mentorship. I asked them, hey, why are you here? They all said, okay, because we want to get into college. I said, so why do you want to get into college? Because we want to get a job. I said, so, so you want to understand mentorship in order to get into college to get a job? Yeah. To do what? Well, you know, you work until you're about 67 and then you can retire. And one person literally said, and if you're lucky, you can do something that you actually enjoy. I said, no, 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 no. That, that, is, not, <laughs> that is not your life goal is to get a job. But so many of us are taught that you need to just follow the, follow the crowd, go through school, get a job. Don't be innovative. I love what you're talking with your kids. You give them the opportunity to, to think about what it is that they want to do and find a way to get there. But as you talked about before, that's hard for people. It's hard for people to think for themselves and say, what do I actually care about? What am I actually passionate about versus what everyone else is passionate about? And what are they saying I should be passionate about? Yeah. Yeah. I, ironically, that person that says, and maybe at age 67, I, I guess you could say that's when their second life starts. Mm, and then when they turn 67, they also, they find the freedom of chasing things they would have. How many times do we hear people talk of regret? You know, there for a while, Vaynerchuk was like really hitting home of you're going to die someday. And he kept saying most people on their deathbed do not say, I wish I would have spent more time at the job that I didn't like, wish I would have spent more time with the people that love me or the things that I'm excited about. So, yeah, I mean, like, it, and I think as the other part of like, in some cases, making parents mad at me, because this, this, this class I helped start was called Innovation and Open Source Learning. And really, the whole thing started off because I watched a TED talk from Daniel Pink. Um, but the class was essentially what motivates you. You have a you. Ha I was at school. We had a block, so I I saw you every other day. So you have an hour and a half every other day. And uh, my question to you was, what do you want to learn and what do you want to accomplish? And some kids were like, I don't like. Just tell me what to do because that's what school always was. Mm -hmm. But there were some kids who were like, Are you serious? Because I want to work on this. No one teaches this. And, and, and that was all of a sudden the eye opener to, um, you know, they thought that they should look into that because their dad said that they would do it. And then when they tried it, they're like, this sucks. I'm a huge fan of quitting, Alex. Yeah. Huge fan of quitting. Yeah. Um, in, in college, we call that changing your major. But in college, <laughs> we call that twenty to $30,000 change your mind. So I, I just loved it when parents were like, you're talking my son out of take your topic law school. He doesn't like it. We had some projects that were really into that area and he doesn't like it. Well, he'll make good money. So you're telling me you'd rather have your son be making good money, but unfulfilled, which mm -hmm. to be honest is a lot of people I know. Old yeah. handcuffs. I know some of the happiest people I know don't make a lot of money and it doesn't matter because they're having the time of their lives. So I, I, I just, I just like going about it to where, I was letting students try things, listen to things, open source, learn things that we weren't teaching in school, and then going, I hate this, and then being excited about it. Or 
I never thought this was this cool in my life and then possibly changing trajectory of what they wanted to focus on. So, but you know, okay. So you, you, you are now the, the, the founder and CEO of the organization of the foundation. Um, prior to becoming the, the founder and CEO, you used to be a baby. Um, how, how did you decide to go this way, this route with your life? <laughs> um, really good parenting. Like, I always think about this and I try not to get emotional, but like, I, I, if I'm honest with myself, the only thing I've ever wanted to be is my dad. I just want to be like my dad. He also told me something that was so unique. So I wasn't going to go into education. Matter of fact, my first three years out of college, I, I'm not going to say what profession because I don't want to say that it, like I hated it, but I wasn't always a teacher. And so my dad was a teacher his, his whole life. And so um, they paid for all my education. I felt terrible that they had bought me, they had paid for this degree. And then I was like, and I was, I, and I told him what I was about to do. I'm going to go back to college. I don't expect any money because I was married. And uh, he told me, he's like, Donnie, I don't care if you teach for the next 20 years, do not teach one year, 20 times. No one likes that teacher. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And it didn't make sense to me at first until I started teaching. Because you, you can get in that rut of just doing pay, like dittos and worksheets every damn year. Yeah. And I always wanted to keep a fresh perspective. And so that has always stuck with me. And just also, I just love seeing the potential in people. And this is really cliche, but I think that's why coaches like coaching is that also during my childhood, um, I actually explained my kids, there used to be these things called malls, right? But a lot of times <laughs> if we had to go to the mall, um, it, by the way, teachers know this, you don't shop in the district that you live in. Cause you're just swarmed by, you're like, Mr. Wetrick. But like from time <laughs> to time, I would see former students of my dad and they would look at me and go, your dad and say these awesome things. And my yeah. shoulders would get broad. And I'm like, that's my dad. That also inspired me too. Yeah. to be told that your dad has had. Yeah. That, you know, my wife and I were talking about, um, she brought the conversation yesterday. She said, you know, looking for your purpose. You know, what, what's your purpose in life? Yeah. And, and we, as we were discussing it, we were like, you know, I feel like the only purpose, the only type of purpose that really makes sense is helping someone else. I, I, I couldn't imagine a, a purpose. Your, my purpose on life is to be me, I guess, is to go on yachts. Like you, you would think about like, you know, helping kids, or even if you're, you, you, I want to start up an organization that can, that can sell this many widgets that help people. Like it's always about other people. And, and I, I, the, the, the profession of teaching, which I think is completely undervalued. If you ever think about here, everyone who ever watched the um, Key and Pill episode when they were doing a draft for the teachers, why is that a joke and yeah, not the yeah, real yeah, thing? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, but see, Alex, I think that's sometimes the scrub that people have against rich people. Hmm. There's a there's there's the duality there. Sometimes we don't like, let's just say, successful people. Why? Because they make me feel bad. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady makes me feel bad about myself, right? I mean, but he doesn't, right? So yeah. sometimes when people are making money and they see that they're not doing anything for anybody, there's this like, dude, you're missing the point. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, oh, you're just hating because they're rich. There is sometimes that. Like, I don't understand why people don't like Tom Brady. He's winning. Okay. Now we could talk about his not spending time with his wife and kids, but that's none of my business. Um, I, I do think, though, that this, like, you're making all this money and you're not doing anything for anybody. I think that there's, like, some people have pity for that. Like, you must be, a, you must be so sorry. 
Mm-hmm. He must be so sad. So I don't know. <laughs> just because uh, I, 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 I come short of criticizing people for money because again, and it's sometimes like, I don't know what they do or don't give, but um, if, if it's pretty well understood that they're curmudgeon, they're not nice. They don't do anything for everybody. And they got money. Then you're like, like you said, like, I can't imagine not wanting yeah. to take success and help others. But you know, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a, um, an individual a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're going through a pretty, tough financial situation. And they were, they were telling me how they really looked up to me and my wife. And this is completely left field. Now we're going a different direction. Um, they really look up to me and my wife. They want to do well, like me and my wife. And they, and as I, as I, bruh, um, you have no idea what we live through. Um, I am not taking anything away from your situation. You, you have a, a really tough situation. But I said, you know, there was that we, my wife lived in, my wife and I lived in a place in Baltimore, um, for about a year and a half that had no heat during the snowmageddon we literally had mice running around the house um i, I would say houses but i wouldn't even say like a studio apartment it was that tiny mice running around i the the, the day before and this sounds disgusting but the day before we actually moved out i woke up and slapped myself i smashed a big ass roach on me like my wife and i have lived very rough for a very long time um to get to this point you know there's a lot of saving and investing so that when things, because things always go wrong, something always goes wrong. So we are very intentional at building that emergency fund. Um, but yeah, it, when you say it's, you don't, you try to judge and criticize people. Like same thing here. Like you just, we do not know other people's stories. Um, and so we need to be focusing on how we can do better. Just be better ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's hard um, sometimes because again, what we were talking about earlier, it is so much easier to watch somebody and criticize them instead of criticize mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote a blog not too long ago on like the 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 days of watching because I remember like during the '90s people would watch Jerry Springer to feel better about themselves. Shoot, and they still what, <laughs> and, and and I think now people are watching success gurus to feel worse about themselves. Mm. Oh wow. I'm not trying to throw. I'm not. You're probably gonna. I should watch what I say. There's some success gurus out there that all you got to do is this. I don't understand why no one's making at least, if you don't make at least $300,000, you're not really doing your family a service. <laughs> oh, it's that easy. And in some cases, like, yes, because I did it. I get that. And you worked hard. But um, people then feel like absolute dog garbage because they don't make 300000 yeah. And at the same time, somebody that's legitimately saying like, uh david goggins man that guy's hardcore oh yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah. he's not saying he's not setting a dollar amount he's just saying get well i couldn't quote what david <laughs> said but not on this show but i uh, leave it out it's okay <laughs> yeah but i mean like i i like there is like everything in life there is there is a venn diagram there is a middle yeah. way um but uh, yeah and make sure i don't get myself in trouble um i can't get in trouble with my show but <laughs> circle back around i wasn't telling that person um you know, how my wife and I came up with to, to say your, your situation's nothing. It was more so like, Hey, look, you know, we also went through something rough and you can make it too. Like, right. you know, yeah. and, and th- that's where I was going just to make sure for any audience members who, who may pull me out for that. Um, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I know we only have so much time, but really quickly, I also loved, Oh my God, you have so much stuff I want to talk about. Um, you talk about the difference. This is a completely different area. The difference between a team and a family. Um, do you Dude, need more prompt? Did you dig into? Holy <laughs> <cow>. <laughs> do you need yeah. more prompt? Or you can just you can rip off of it. Uh, 
So I got to give credit where credit's due because that I was uh, I'm an audio book guy, um, and I was just reflecting on it not too long ago. And so uh, Reed Hoffman, and I think it's from the book The No Rules Rules, and he had talked about there were several corporations that we're a family and we don't, you know, we're a family and we take care of people and it's not good to fire people. Um, and he's like, a team fires people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I lived in Indianapolis. They fired Peyton Manning. Let me repeat that again. They fired Peyton Manning. And he's like, a family is a family. So if you have an underperforming son, he is your son. There's no getting rid of him. But if you said to somebody like, we're hiring you to increase our sales by 20%. And the last two quarters, we've been negative 15%. We're not a family. You're fired. Now, there is a whole lot of I believe in you and we're trying to coach you up. But if you're underperforming, we're not a family here. Mm-hmm. I got to love my kids. Do love my kids. But I'm not going <laughs> to fire them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to bring that up. One I absolutely love because I've been around too many organizations when they use that the F word family. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not a family. I mean, there's a lot of dysfunctional families that still operate. You can't operate successfully as a dysfunctional organization and you wouldn't want that. So that, that's very important. But also the, the importance of, you know, when you're creating your team. Like a, a lot of people listening to this show, they're, they're leaders and they're aspiring to move up the ranks. And and creating a team is really important. So you want to have that, that balance between the loyalty, right? The, the people you know, you respect, you can trust, but you can't just have anyone on the team either, right? Because if they can't produce, um, you may find yourself in an awkward situation, have to have a very difficult conversation. So, you know, I, I love how you talked about how you had to, one of your struggles was having to build your team, not a family. Having to let someone go sucks. And, and you can also do somebody a disservice by lulling them into safety of we're a family here. My dad's not going to fire me. That's doing somebody a disservice. You've taken away that desire to be better. Yes, a little bit under the threat of being fired, but still like accountability. Now, that being said, my children are accountable and I love them. But like an employee in a lot of ways doesn't, you can say that, but they don't feel that way. Mm. They don't feel that way. They're there to make a living. And you can say, I love my job. You do. But are you going to work as hard for this person as it was your mother? Your mother doesn't have to pay you. Hey, I'm sick. Come and get me. You're going to go get your mom. Mm -hmm. If your boss says, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pay you this week because I'm out of money. But we're totally a family. And even though we're broke, we're going to pull through this somehow. So just Mm -hmm. work with me for the next three months and I won't pay you. But someday I'll pay you again. You would do that for your mother. You would not do that for your employer. Even if it's your, oh my gosh, we're a family. No, we're not. Money dries up, you're leaving. That goes both ways. Oh, and 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 how many, I, I'm going to call it a, a, a preaching moment. How many of you have been in a situation where your organization wants to treat you as a family so they can abuse you, right? Oh, 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 oh. I, I know we can't give you that that pay raise, we promise you, but you know, we're, we're still here. We're working together. We're a family. And, and again, sometimes 100%. You know, organizations don't have the, the resources. But I'm talking about the situations where you know they have the yes. resources. They're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing right. because we're a family and yep. you can be you can be the one who doesn't get what you're deserved or you're getting put too much work put on you and so on and so forth. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> I, I I know we, we have to jump off um, relatively soon because I think you have a meeting with the, the governor or something like that. Um, but is, is there any last thoughts, any, anything you'd like to share with our eyes as we begin to wrap up? 
depending on when you release this, there's still plenty of time to, to consider it. Um, it's ironic that we're having these deep conversations. I have been tasked with bringing people together in Indianapolis called for, uh, the Innovation Thought Leader Summit. So website is itlsummit.com, itlsummit.com. Um, because, and you already know some of these people, Alex, but we're bringing in um, innovation thought leaders. We're bringing in chief innovation officers from other companies, other states. But we're having deep conversations, meaningful conversations in a very, like how we met in a very Socrates kind of way. So it's not a 5,000 person get together. It is a 100 person get together. Luckily enough, if I'm going to bring people into Indianapolis, that also means we're going to go to the Indianapolis 500 in style. We have a have a gasoline alley uh, suite. And we also, most importantly, if you've ever been to a race that is like 350,000 people in the same place. We have we have an escort, um, a police escort to get in because if you, it's 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 crazy. But if you know of somebody that um, they are a deep thinker and 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 especially like they're probably with an organization that they're thinking about jobs of the future, future employment, talent pipeline concerns. That's going to be a lot of the heavy topics. Um, but uh, that is uh, the last weekend of May. And if you want to know more, again, you can go to itlsummit.com. Also, I run a nonprofit, and even though the end of the year is already over, if you're thinking about charitable giving, you can always go uh, to startedupfoundation.org. Uh, and a lot of people are like, why start ed up? And I'm like, well, the, the, the easy way is saying somebody bought Startup Ed years ago and tried to sell <laughs> the domain for $25,000. And I'm like, okay, so start ed up it is. So it looks like startup with a little <laughs> bit of ed because we were startup culture in education. Would I have liked to have bought Startup Ed? Yeah, but somebody, they still have it parked, I think, for money, but I didn't want to pay it. <laughs> so yeah, you awesome. all go to that website, find out more. We run Innovate Within. We're actually expanding to other states. We try to get high school students to, at minimum, see problems as opportunities, to see the world through a lens of entrepreneurship, to not complain as much, and to want to solve more. That's what we do. Dude, you're freaking awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> we riff hard. We, we, want, we want left, and then we want right, and then we zigzagged, and we went around. <laughs> so we need to make this more often with or without cameras, but um, this is fun stuff. Hey, brother, we, we definitely going to make it happen. Yeah, look, everyone, you know where I'm about to go. You know what I'm about to say. If you found anything of value from today's conversation, don't, don't just look back. Reach back. Bring someone else to the table. Share this with them. Click like, click share, whatever you got to do to make sure the people in your life who you say you care about, who people you say you value, make sure if you found anything of value here, you share it with them. Don't mm. just look back. Reach back. Mm. And look. As always, I thank every single one of you for being here and being a, 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 a companion on this learning trip as we go into our, now our third year of the podcast. As always, everyone, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.